Welcome into the second episode of the Southland Supporters Podcast, a St. Louis City SC podcast. My name is David Heck, and I am joined by Eric Cole, and we are thrilled to bring you another edition of South End Supporters covering all things city from the week that was to everything going on this week. Eric, how goes it, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I am doing great. Look, we are thrilled to bring you this podcast again after an exciting week for us, which resulted in launching the first episode and a lot of support from a lot of people. And I know that I can speak for you when I say this, but we are thrilled with the amount of support and feedback and just everything that came our way last week. Yeah, it was amazing hearing uh, people message us or just any feedback, seeing views. I think we were expecting our moms and three other people to listen to it. So seeing it get beyond that was just amazing for both of us. Our moms did listen, though. They did. We had to make sure we set everything up for them and show them how you know the internet worked. But yeah, they got it. Yeah, I know it's funny. We talked about like trying to get people to go to Spotify or trying to get people to go to Apple Music or wherever they get their podcast to be able to listen. And we talked a little bit before, and it's like neither one of our parents or moms, I should say, could tell you where they went to listen to it. No, no. We were like, oh, that's great. Where'd you listen to it from? Uh, the, the link. The internet. Which, yeah, the internet. Which one? <laughs> well, look, we, we, we are thrilled again with the amount of support that we got. We are, again, shocked at just how many people actually listened. We showed up on a ranking on Chartable, which is very exciting, as one of the top soccer podcasts in the United States of America. I would have thought you edited that in there. It was wild seeing that, like, just, just to be on the list. It didn't matter. And to be on page one was nuts crazy i got an email about it from from somebody trying to sell me some sort of a of a podcast enhancer to drive more traffic and he said hey check out this chartable ranking and i didn't even know what chartable was and then when i saw it and saw some of the names that we were next to and even ahead of i was just completely blown away so thrilled to see that uh, but really excited to start getting into what happened over the weekend um one thing that I wanted to touch on, of course, was the the Colorado Rapids match. But then, of course, what's coming up here this week, Tuesday night, a match against Union Omaha in the U.S. Open Cup. And then, of course, we'll break down the match Saturday at City Park, which will restart the MLS schedule uh, after that, that Open Cup match. But, um, of course, hey, look, we went to Colorado. We got a draw uh, going into this. Probably not what we had hoped for, but about 15 minutes into this match, I think, we were thrilled to come away with that. Yeah, I mean, just an off day. Couldn't really get any flow going. Um, you know, they and everybody talked about Colorado's just a tough place to go. And one thing Carnell said in the the pregame press conference that I really liked was um, he said we when we when they look at teams, they don't just look at the stats. They they do the eye test, as he calls it. And I really like that because sometimes rankings or stats on paper or you know everything like that just maybe doesn't tell the the full tale of a team and so I like that you know you looked at Colorado coming into it they were unbeaten their last four and you know you're you don't really want to ever harp on it too much but you know they do have the altitude the cold um so it's a tough place to go and then you know just not being on that night I think anytime you're on the road if you can come away with any sort of points you got to look at it as uh, a positive yeah, I think altitude definitely came into play. I think that when you look at how they played, especially later in the game, and I'm not talking about the surge that they had at the beginning of the second half and most of the second half, but as things got later and later into the second half and, of course, into stoppage time eventually, it just looked like they ran out of gas. Yeah, I know Carnell also addressed it. You know, Being from South Africa, he talked about the altitude there, and he said there's science behind it um, where it was actually it's actually better to get just in the day before and just to try to adjust as best you can there. Otherwise you kind of have to get in, you know, 10 plus days in advance. Um, I've never dealt with altitude as far as any sort of fitness and everything goes. I know I've talked to other people and they really do say that, yeah, you do feel affected by it. I, the only thing I can relate it to is here in the Midwest, you know, we get very, very humid summers. And if there's anybody that ever comes in from out of town to the gym to drop in, shout out, ready to live. They, um, I always explain to them, you know, give it two weeks and then your body kind of adjusts to that. So I related to that to where, you know, the first couple, you know, days or so of altitude or uh, humidity, it does kind of wear you down. So I would, 
I would almost imagine that's even worse when you get into the altitude. You got players who have never dealt with it before. So if you're pushing that hard and, um, yeah, you're, you're trying to play into this press system and you're feeling gas towards the end of the game and you kind of saw it to where it was just we were, we were hanging on to that goal. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about the goal. We'll talk about, obviously, the goal conceded as well, which is mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, really unfortunate the way that that thing went down. But we'll talk about, as well, the just the, the tone of the match in general and what we saw. And, and honestly, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, we were thrilled to get out of there with a point once this thing got going because the first half was thoroughly dominated by Colorado. Yeah, we came out, started the game in a 4-4-2 formation. Um, it's kind of what we've been running. Um, for those of you newer to soccer, when we say 4-4-2, you start from the back as far as the numbers go. So four defenders, four midfield, and two up top or forwards. And the only substitution we made was Akil Watts came in and started over uh, Indiana Vasilev. And I, I, was, I was happy to see him get in the minutes. I was a little surprised that um, he came in from the start I thought, you know, maybe for the first time this season, we'd run back-to-back uh, same starting lineups. Um, and it just seemed, you know, Akil was having a little bit of trouble just getting involved with the game. And then we were just pretty wide open as far as uh, in the midfield. And then we were just – where a lot of their opportunities just seemed to be coming was their runs through that defensive channel. Um, their striker up top, I mean, he was – it just seemed like he was always being found on the ball and we were just struggling with, you know, picking up that run or even, you know, the backdoor run. So they were getting a lot of shots on goal. Um, you know, Berkey played out of his mind that first half. Luckily there were, you know, a few instances where they just mishit the ball because, um, and even shot it off target or whatever. But, um, yeah, that first half was, you know, one to forget. We just it, there was just no flow and the biggest thing I was noticing is we were having real trouble getting our forwards involved in the game. Um I could probably count on my hands how many times Klaus was even mentioned and especially Giacchini. I think there were, I was rewatching it there was maybe a foul or two that he committed, but off on the ball presence it, it, we were just having trouble getting them involved in the game. Yeah, I, I think Klaus might have had a, a couple of uh, touches uh and, and made a couple of passes, but he did have one opportunity to score in the 10th or 11th minute, yeah. and it was mishit horrifically. And that's so unklaus-like. I know, and as a striker, man, those those are the ones you're just licking your lips, getting ready to hit. And, yeah, it just came off the wrong part of his foot, tried to hit it with the laces, and um, squabbled off. So, yeah, it was unfortunate. You would have liked to see him really get through one. Yeah, it was unfortunate, right? And the fact that we couldn't finish there, it, it really just led to, I think, mounting frustration and then watching all of the chances for Colorado as Berkey was playing out of his mind in this game. Uh, and, and you think about all the saves, 12 total uh, counted saves for Berkey, but there were, there were, I mean, really more opportunities because of all the offside chances that yep. actually didn't go through. But those were shots that Berkey saved as well. None of those reached the back of the net. Exactly. And th- these aren't like, you know, straight at you saves either. He was making some big saves and the big thing that I think that he did so amazing that night was um the way he held the ball as well on those saves there weren't any really second chance opportunities uh even on the kick saves and stuff like that which in the 14th minute that kick save was crazy and so when he did make those kick saves they were even still going out of bounds and then you kind of get you know a little bit of a regroup in there so his saves, uh, I mean, first half, but even throughout all the game, you know, 12 saves, uh, almost Tim Howard-like in the Belgian game in the World Cup a couple of years ago. Um, he, he was just, he was a wall. And, you know, it was it was great, especially because, you know, um, I know some people were talking about a little bit. He had an off game. They thought maybe even a little in the Cincy game. Well, he came back, and, I mean, he proved why we sought him out. He proved why, you know, you, you start from the back when you're building a championship team, and if you have a world-class goalie or if you have a goalie who puts in a world-class performance like he did, that's what's going to take you through the season. I get asked all the time where the best place is to watch City games, and the answer is always the same. It's Felix's Pizza Pub, and it's not even close. Not only can you watch every single home-and-away City game surrounded by fans, but you can do it while enjoying the best pizza in the area. Now, 
I like the Murphy pie, which is chicken, wing sauce, green onions, blue cheese, and jalapeno ranch. But maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you're more of a fan of a traditional pizza. Then check out the Dogtown with Italian sausage, pepperoni, and pepper bacon. Or maybe you're like my partner Eric over here and you like a little bit of both. It doesn't matter what your tastes are because you can order any of the pizzas at Felix's by the slice. But it is no ordinary slice. Felix's offers the largest slice you are going to find anywhere in St. Louis. So mix and match. Try different pizzas. Just make sure to save room for their award-winning double-trashed wings in Buffalo, Jalapeno Ranch, or Thai Chili. And if you're looking for something to do during the week, head to Felix's every Tuesday night for stoned trivia to test your knowledge in the most fun bar trivia around. Even if you're not a trivia buff, you can still win great prizes, so show up at 7 and be ready to have some fun. It's Felix's Pizza Pub, located at 6401 Clayton Avenue in Dogtown, and check them out online at Felix's Dogtown. Yeah, and look, he was furious at times with his his defense, and rightfully so. I I mean, mean, he's the captain. He's got to let him know, like, hey. Yeah. Yeah, and he played like a captain. He played like a captain. He played like a leader, and he played like one of the best goalies in the entire MLS uh, last uh, Saturday night. I'm pretty sure I'd be a little agitated too if I'm getting pelted with balls <laughs> and 20 degree weather or whatever it was. It, it, exactly. So that pretty much did it for the first half. Like, look, there were a lot of Colorado Rapids chances. We could sit here and break them all down one by one, but that could take an entire podcast in itself because <laughs> there were plenty of them. Like yeah. I said, not just the chances that resulted in actual saves for Berkey, but also uh, opportunities that, that ultimately resulted in, in offsides for Colorado. So just so many chances that they had. And um, you really felt going into the second half that, hey, if we could just come out of this thing 0-0, zero, because zero, it, it could have been 5 or 6 to nothing at this point. Yeah, going into the half, I was really, I mean, hoping we'd have another – kind of altitude performance like we did in Real Salt Lake where that first half it just zero zero going into the half nothing's really clicking you would almost say we're behind at the half to where it's like you you have that thought of man thank god we got into the half it's still zero zero um and you were hoping you know Carnell would give him that same team talk and we would come out um the same way we did in that game kind of firing getting back to what we've done all season and it certainly had that feel to it because they came out very strong in the second half. Uh, and it, it did feel like Real Salt Lake all over again, where a, a disappointing first half would result in a really high-powered offensive attack in the second half. And my thoughts on Real Salt Lake was is that they were preserving themselves a bit for the second half. This didn't have the same feel to it as much because of how dominant Colorado was in the yeah, first. Yeah. But regardless, some great chances almost immediately. Uh, and starting in the 55th minute, it was an outstanding counterattack by Rasmus Alm. And he had a good look. And then on the rebound, Stroud had an incredible opportunity. Yeah. Incredible opportunity and couldn't finish. Rewatching it today, um, and especially seeing it in slow motion, um, ball comes across. You know, I think it was Vaslov who start. Uh, who played the ball out to Alm, I believe. Um, he came in for Watts in the second half, and I thought he really made you know a big difference as far as balance within the midfield. But he played it out to Alm. Um, a beautiful cross across the box, just floating up there. And it just looked like Stroud, he just he, he left his body a little bit too far open as far as not back towards the goal. Like when the ball's coming in across, you want to make sure your body's facing the goal, foot planted, and it just looked like his foot was still left a little bit too open as well as his hips. So it just kind of glanced and went off the side. Um, I don't think it was a situation where he, he, he thought he had it. I think his just body positioning was a little off. But lucky for him, you know, a minute later, he, he made up for it. Yeah, in the 57th minute, and this was uh, flip-flopped a little bit. Yeah. Right? It wasn't Alm to Stroud. It was Stroud to Alm. And Jared Stroud, for back-to-back weeks now, played near perfect crosses, resulting in goals. That is the one that actually Indiana Vasilev started. He played a perfect ball to Jared Stroud that set everything up. And from there, Stroud hit Alm, who did not miss. No, and I mean, Stroud, opposite foot as well, just a beautiful cross floated I mean straight to his foot all Alm had to do is just pretty much yeah make contact and make sure he was squared up with the goal luckily he did put a little force behind it I think it did maybe make contact with either a defender or the goalie but it went in great goal and the bounce back that we were kind of hoping for just like we were talking about with Real Salt Lake coming out 
fairly quick and kind of, you know, hopefully riding that momentum. I think, uh, I know Berkey in the, in his post game conference mentioned something about, you know, the midfield was just a little spread apart. You know, some people were a little high and, you know, I think Vaslev coming in, he's had quite a few games now with Leuven to where they have that connection to where I'm going up, I'm staying back. And it just helped keep the flow of the, the balance in our team. And it showed it for, you know, at least the first 20 minutes of that second half, we looked much better. Yeah, and nothing against Akil Watts. Uh, no, but not but, at all. But why why even mess with anything there? I mean, the way that Indiana Vasilev has played, like you said, alongside Leuven especially, they're in central midfield. Why make that change? I would have liked to see, again, us go back-to-back. Um, not saying you don't prioritize the cup game coming up, but maybe, um, you know, Carnell had plans for Vasilev to go straight from the get-go starting um, the next game, and he thought this would be a good opportunity for maybe Akil Watts to build up a little confidence who would maybe probably start as well you would think that maybe those two would be the combination going into the next game so maybe it was just trying to get you know Watts a little bit of game time experience Um, you can't replicate you know game time experience so him especially MLS experience so maybe it was just trying to get him and again I don't think he necessarily played terrible he just never really got fully involved in the game and maybe him and Leuven just weren't on the same page. But, again, that just comes with experience with playing the player. And you, you think about, too, like, look, they, they did maximize their subs. I think they used all five in the game. And so it could have been very much a strategic play, too, to say, look, we're going to save Vasilev to get fresh legs coming in in yeah. the second half. He's a, a bit more offensive-minded, so it definitely helps. You know, we needed an attack, and he could provide that, perhaps. So that that could be it. Now, you've obviously played this game, been around this game for a very long time. There's a lot of highs and lows with it, and sometimes these games are roller coasters. We started off a bit high with some chances early on. We got into a very deep valley as Colorado continued to, to just put so much pressure on Berkey and this defense. We get a goal in the 57th minute and then come crashing right back down as Klaus goes down untouched in the 58th minute. Yeah, never what you want to really see is a non-contact injury. Um, Carnell said that he said it didn't feel that bad. Um, and then today it came out, you know, he'll be out 10 to 14 days. More, you know, they're kind of saying more as a precautionary period, a right quad strain. Um, you know, who knows, cold weather. And especially if you're a forward and you're just kind of, you know, hanging around up top and then you go for a quick sprint or a quick cut, something to that effect. Um, luckily it doesn't, you know, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't seem too terrible and he will be back fairly short, but yeah, never good when you're, you know, your, your main guy up top who really holds up the ball and kind of who we look to facilitate the ball to goes down, but even worse when it's a non-contact, you know, it's one of those things where granted, like you said, 10 to 14 days. Okay. Maybe not the end of the world. Um, but the timing of this, I don't necessarily think is is the worst because this cup match is coming up. I do think it gives us an opportunity to see perhaps what else we might have. Now, there are some rumors out there about a dinner on perhaps. Um, we don't necessarily know. We're recording this on Monday night, uh, and this is essentially the deadline coming up for them to make a decision on whether or not he goes to transfer alone. Um, it sounds like they they might want to loan him out, which yeah. is which is great because. I've been impressed by him in, in some of the opportunities he's had. He's, he's obviously another giant striker, moves very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but without him, where do they go? So I think, yeah, with this cup game coming in, I don't think Klaus was going to see the field anyway. So, you know, he, while he's out that game, I think he, that would have probably been a scheduled uh, out anyway. And then, yeah, you would have thought, you know, probably almost a like for like, same body type, same, you know, kind of st- – style play that you hope is that tall hold up ball winning uh you know long balls in to possibly flick on to the outside mids or whoever is trailing off that run whether it's Giacchini or whoever but yeah it looks like he's going out on loan and I know I've seen some people say well well now we got to cancel that we got to you know we got to stop this we got to keep him now but it's just not really fair to Adinaran when it comes to that you know you figure 10 to 14 days while that does suck I don't think you can ask a player to stay behind for 10 to 14 days and then directly after that be right back in the position that he's in. The reason, you know, he maybe is looking for a loan opportunity is he needs game time. And at the same time, we need him getting that game time. We need him getting experience. We need him staying fresh. And, um, you know, while 
practices, you know, they do, you, you stay sharp on your training skills. Like I said, there's nothing that can really emulate game time experience. So I do think, you know, it still is best for him to go out on loan where we go from here. I think, you know, we've kind of experimented with a little bit in past couple games. I think we go to a lone striker up top with an attacking mid following in behind. Um, I know Ostrock's kind of filled that position. I know they had Leuven kind of playing up there a little bit last game in Colorado towards the end. I didn't really like him up there um, at that situation. He's such a big body and such a big presence. And um, one thing that he did do good last night was he just held the ball. He's He just is so great at, like, when he's got a defender on his back, he's such a big body that he can hold the ball. So I think if we can't get it to him up there, you almost want him kind of filling that position back a little farther. So I'd still like to see Leuven back, but – Ostrock can fall, um, you know, go in there. I mean, y- you can mess around with any of the wingers, but I think we go for more just a lone striker up top with Giacchini, and then you play with three attacking mids. You keep the wingers and kind of we've tried that formation before, and it's it's had some success. So I think we go there. Yeah, I think we might have actually opened the season against Austin with it with with Klaus up top. I think you're right. Yeah, and we had because I don't think Giacchini started the first game. He so didn't. yeah, we've we've done it before, and you know, here again, here's another. You know, if you're looking at this as an opportunity, you know, tomorrow, Tuesday, this Open Cup game, here's your chance. Here's your chance to prove that, hey, maybe for the next two or hopefully not three games coming up, I can fill this role. I can, you know, show you what I have. You know, Celio can come in as well. I know he's been looking to get more minutes and, you know, Carnell's talked about giving him more minutes. So maybe we go Brazilian for Brazilian and just throw him in there well he did come in for Stroud uh mm-hmm. Stroud was on a yellow got a yellow in the 46th minute of the first of the second half uh I wanted to ask about that because when I watched the replay of it a couple of times to me it did not look like that aggressive of a foul to warrant a card it seemed like there was some incidental contact look I I get it perhaps I'm I'm a bit of a of a Jared Stroud <laughs> lemming I don't know yeah. uh, and the rest of the league again seems to hate him but they, they collided. It looked like Stroud was going for the ball. He didn't get the ball. But it seemed like throwing a card at Stroud in that just was kind of an odd call. And it may have been just an accumulation of fouls throughout the game. It may have been, you know, you hate to think it, you know, they assume, well, this guy does have a reputation for kind of going in hard. So, you know, maybe that's where they went to it. Um, yeah, it was maybe a little soft. And the big thing that it, it really hurts is now – because Parker picked up one later as well. Now both him and Parker are one card away from a game suspension. So, you know, you never want to have a player thinking about that, you know, coming in. So, yeah, it was it was tough, and it could have just been, you know, the ref also sensing the, the tone of the game was starting to get a little bit more physical. You know, going into it, I think we were second in the league in yellow cards, and I think Colorado was, like, first in the league in – penalties so i mean i think stroud has like five of those by the way i think he's got half the league's yellow card tally total and so maybe the ref was also just trying to make sure he you know kept control of the game going into the end of the game because he's he sensed the intensity was coming and colorado kept it coming at us now the uh celio came on and made an immediate impact had a great strike uh that led to a Leuven corner but nothing resulted in it and then another good counterattack in like the 73rd, 74th minute, uh, Leuven found Alm and resulted in a cross with another corner. But again, nothing came from that. And then after that, it was pretty much downhill. We did see some more some more subs coming in. Samil, uh, Samir Pedro came in for Nelson, and then Miggy came in for Alm. And that kind of wrapped things up there. Pedro came in for a second match in, uh, in, a, in a row. We haven't seen Miggy in a few weeks. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on kind of what you saw out of some of the subs? Again, I would have, you know, maybe have liked to seen Miggy and Leuven kind of play in that deeper uh, defensive midfield role and then maybe kept Vasilev high just again because, you know, M- Miggy and Vasilev aren't the biggest of uh, uh, people. So having them kind of be that back defensive presence, I would have liked to see maybe Leuven play back. Plus, again, I, like I talked about, Leuven holds the ball very well and he distributes it out very well. So, Maybe I would have liked to have seen that come in. Pedro, um, it, it is more rare, I think, when you do see a defensive sub. Um, I don't think he necessarily played bad or anything like that. I think at that point, kind of like Berkey touched on in the postgame interview, we were just getting spread out too far. We had players that were going up, and maybe their communication wasn't there. And so they just had free run to kind of keep 
finding those channels as far as getting the balls down. And then, you know, I think we both sensed that it was towards the end of the game. We're trying to we're we're trying to absorb all this pressure. Meanwhile, Colorado's probably sensing also like, hey, we've got opportunities coming and there. The other thing that Carnell mentioned was Colorado made four subs at once. You don't really see that very often. You maybe see, you know, two, maybe three if there's an injury. And he said something of, to the effect of, you know, their formation changed and it kind of threw us off, so we tried to match it. So, you know, maybe there was a little bit of a, oh, man, we four on at a time and it does disrupt you and you try and match it and sometimes you, you it just doesn't go the way you hope. And it didn't go the way. Hey, if you're a coffee lover like me, then you've got to try some of the best local coffee there is from Postal Coffee. Will over at Postal Coffee is super passionate about his roasting process, and it really shows in every bag. Every small batch is made to order from small visited sustainable farms, so you really get that great flavor and get that care in every order. Also, 20% of all profit goes to veteran suicide prevention. So not only are you getting a great tasting product, but you're supporting a great cause as well. And if you use the code SOUTHEND at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your entire first order. Nothing goes better to start your day than a new episode of South End Supporters and a cup of Postal Coffee. So check them out on their Instagram at Postal Coffee Co. and check out their website at PostalCoffeeCo.com. Because from about the 80th minute on, it was all Colorado again and just a dominant attack, attack, attack. And St. Louis did not have an answer until the very end. They did get an opportunity. and We'll talk a little bit about it. But look, it was free kick. It was corner. It was it was just balls played through that. You know, they got good shots on more saves by Berkey. There were some incredible saves by Berkey. And we'll talk a little bit about it. But finally, in stoppage time. And Berkey was absolutely furious in the 92nd minute. It was a great touch by Rubio to find Berrios. He finally got through for the goal, which uh, not of this thing at one, unfortunately. So, again, we talked about the highs and lows. We start off with high expectations saying, look, we expect to come away with three points because we're a superior team. This is a team in Colorado that had seven points coming into this. One win. They were in 11th place, right? We think that we're a superior team. We're going to come in and win and get three points on the road and then come back home to Portland. First half goes, okay, we're happy to get out of here with a draw. <laughs> yeah. We score at the second half. We're not getting out of here Just with a kidding. draw. Just kidding. We're, we're no. winning this, we're winning. right? <laughs> yeah. And now it's back to 1-1. It's a disappointment, but because the way things were going at this point, I legitimately felt like they were going to get another one. I was worried, um, especially because I think it was the 93rd minute when they got the goal, and we had eight minutes of extra time. Um, not that, you know, shorter amount of time cause it was in the 93rd, but man, you see eight minutes and you're already kind of like hanging on for dear life. I mean, that, that also has to kind of get in your head a little bit thinking, Oh man, I was hoping for four and I don't know where they got the full eight minutes, but yeah, the goal came, it looked like there was a, one of their strikers came up to like present himself to the ball. And then he kind of played this dummy run to where he let the meaning he let the ball kind of run past him kind of faking he was going for it and it just looked like two of our defenders kind of both took the same guy which left uh Barrios open and yeah he was alone on goal and uh, blasted it in and that's back-to-back weeks actually that he's come on for Colorado and in extra time got them uh, a point-saving goal so I mean and then after that you're just you're really thinking no matter what we've got to get out of here with a point yeah, and, and we almost didn't because shortly after that goal, uh, it was Rubio that made a great strike from just outside the 18, and Berkey, diving to his left, made the absolute save of the game. I mean, again, he, he it wasn't just the saves he was making. They were incredible, but, but it was also the way he wasn't allowing second-chance opportunities off of those saves. And, I mean, his hands were just they – were, they were holding everything, or they were making sure nothing was, you know – Nothing was coming back out. So, yeah. yeah. And look, again, as somebody that's not ever played this game before, it seems riskier to try and catch this ball as opposed to just swatting it away. I mean, the ball seems like it's 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 a pill, right? It's ripped at you. If you don't – I mean, it seems like the ball could get through the hands very easily. You, the last thing you want to do is have a goal go through your hands. But the other thing, too, is, you know, maybe from that camera angle, that ball looks like it's just a straight shot. But if there's ever a behind-the-goal or behind-the-ball – 
um, camera angle, you can see that that thing's moving. So you're just thinking I'm getting this thing anywhere I can. And then, so yeah, I mean, for him to be able to have the confidence in how he was, I mean, who wouldn't after how he was going, he was, he didn't drop anything. It stuck to his hands. And not only that, another thing that wasn't, you know, maybe talked about was just his presence in the air for crosses and corners. He was punching them clear. So there weren't, you know, he was, he was owning that penalty area that night. So I think that's another thing that shouldn't be overlooked is just how well he controlled the box and he captained the team. Yeah. But before the goal actually went in like 88th minute, uh, Markonic had a, at a cross and Berkey just literally grabbed it out of the air and never let it get to its destination. So he played amazing. We, we again can harp on, on, on that. Of course, man of the match. Uh, we, we debated easily that we debated it the week before. There's no debate. At this no point. debate. He There's, was so unbelievable. And in match day of the week, for the league starting and I mean it, even that should have been a no doubter I mean 12 saves uh noted a career high for Roman Berkey um also three shy of the MLS record at 15 and we talked about the offsides there were at least two maybe three there that he had yeah I, yeah saves on as well yeah. so I mean he wasn't that far off from breaking an MLS record no and with that performance that night I mean it would have been one where you would have looked back and been like, yeah, that, that deserved it as well. Not really any gimme straight to you shots. I mean, I would say typically if you're racking up saves as a goalie, majority of them are those, you know, little dribblers that you collect and you're like, I'll take that as a save. I think majority of those shots were, man. Well, he, he yeah. used every, I mean, he, there were times when it reminded me of a, of a hockey goalie, the way he went down and making, making kick saves. It just was yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable it, the way he played. Yeah fantastic easily man of the match yeah man of the match as you mentioned uh, on the team of the match day as well um as the starting goalkeeper which uh, i don't know what other direction you would go there it's a shame he didn't get the clean sheet it's a shame we didn't come away with with three points but all things considered i think everybody's content with one uh, as we look forward to coming back to city park on saturday with a match against portland a familiar foe who we had a chance to meet in Portland earlier on in the season and, and beat them 2-1. to one. So uh, I did check the odds on this, and we'll talk about it shortly. We are favored, which is exciting. Um, not as exciting for those that like to bet on City because it's nice to get plus <laughs> odds. Yeah. But, uh, but regardless, look, a little bit of respect coming our way as, as Portland's been a team that sort of bounced around and, 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 to be honest, has struggled a bit recently as well so uh, we'll get into it I want to talk before we transition back to the MLS though about what's coming up on Tuesday night at City Park this U.S. Open Cup well real quick I just want to if you did watch the game against Colorado and you were confused wondering which team is City I thought we were red I thought we were gray so what the MLS does for one game every year and this was a nightmare if you were trying to figure out what the highlights were for your game because every team had the same we had these teal Earth Day jerseys. They're made from recycled material, and each year the 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 MLS tries to uh, promote you know recycling and Earth Day and everything like that. So we were in the teal. Colorado was in this. Uh, I think it was black or dark navy, and then kind of a, a flip flop. They looked, you know, at first when I saw them posted on social media, I was like, eh, okay, but in person, I really. I really liked them. I thought they looked pretty good. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit because I saw it in person because you wore it on Saturday night to watch the yeah, game. Yeah, I did. And we uh, we decided to uh, to go. It was an 8.30 start central time, so it wasn't incredibly late. Typically, I watch these, these late games at home from the comfort of my own home, drinking my own cheap beer, uh, ordering pizza with the family, and just kind of hitting uh, sitting on the couch and watching it. But we decided to go out, and we decided to go out to a city on tap bar uh, is it so, well we'll talk about this eric it's funny you you ask so for those that aren't familiar right city on tap is sponsored by mick ultra and it's a, a collection of city bars in the st louis metropolitan now i live in the o'fallon illinois area so the city bar of choice for me there's only two over here one is hot shots and the other is cybergs and so I go to the Cybergs. Now, we've been to the Cybergs downtown before a game before at City Park, mm -hmm. and it was popping. It was a great atmosphere pre-game. Oh, I mean, if you wanted a table, you were out of luck. I mean, you were standing, I mean, and we got there early. Early. Even thinking, early, early. Thinking that. And so, yeah, we were like, oh, Cybergs, I mean, they must be, they, they do it. They do it, and they should do it because they are listed as 
as a city bar on City on Tap. What we found was, uh, upon showing up Saturday night, is that there was live music playing. Now, they had planned on showing the game, which they did. They put it on several televisions. Not all the televisions, but several televisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had, had live music. And listen, you love live music. Eric, for those people that don't know, Eric's a drummer. <laughs> he loves music. Uh, he plays music. He listens to a lot of music of all kinds. You've never been disappointed in your life to go to a bar <laughs> and see a live musician. No, and it was nothing on the guy. The guy sounded great i think any other day it would have been great and honestly he was fitting the tone because he was playing some sad country music and when we were watching that first half i was that was the only time i was like this kind of fits the bill right now but yeah it was you know you see it you you look for these things when it is an away game you know you want to take in the atmosphere with other people high five and random tables that you don't know you know maybe not throwing beer like we do in the supporter section or around and the south end but something that you look at that person or you see people walking in with jerseys and thinking, yeah, game time, right? And it was even getting close, and they didn't even have the TV switched yet. So we were even a little worried, like, we read this, right? It's playing. And then, yeah, it was... It is weird. You walk into Cybergs and you see city flags, you see city signs, there's waitresses wearing city yeah. jerseys. Um, it seems like... It would be a city bar. When you walk in, Mick Ultra, their tapper, has a city logo at the top of it. Um, I mean, all things scream city in there, right? And, and Except then, the speakers. Except <laughs> the speakers. Nothing was actually screaming city, right? No. Uh, the, the, the depressing country music was, was playing. The guy had a great voice. He played a pretty good guitar. Um, we just didn't want to hear it at that time. And I think it's a disappointment when you think about you know, what's to come? My, my wife actually went up and talked to one of the managers and asked, like, is this going to be a common theme? And, and they said, yeah, like moving forward on Saturday nights, they're going to have live music instead of the audio for the city games. And I mean, the schedule's out well in advance. So I don't know how you couldn't even think maybe we put Carl on Fridays and we play <laughs> the city game Saturdays, you know, and even, you know, I know there's, you know, playoff games going for other sports, but you would even have thought, if you are a city on tap bar, majority of the TVs would have the game. But I mean, I had to flip myself all the way around to uh, the big screen two feet in front of my face. So, I mean, even visually, it was kind of not ideal. So, and then, you know, we even tried getting the phone, the sound through our phones, but it was about two minutes behind. So then when you're watching it and you see something, you know, unfortunately a lot of excitement was more on the Colorado end that first half, but you know, two minutes later, if you're hearing, the announcer's voice going up and you're looking at a throw in, you're thinking what's going on. Yeah. So disappointing there uh, for sure. As, as we got to Cybergs and O'Fallon and, and look, nothing against the place. Uh, I know we, we go, to, I, I'll be honest with you. I go to that Cybergs and O'Fallon before every single away game. I've done it every single away yeah, game so have- far. And, and, and I, and I eat there we have a couple of beers. We come home and watch the game. Typically is what, what my family and I do. Um, and so this time I said, look, let's go there and let's, let's check it out and, and, and watch. And, uh, it'll be a good atmosphere. Hopefully it, it just, it just didn't live up to it. So, uh, the people were great. The waitresses that we had, no kept, other complaints kept, throughout kept there, kept yeah. apologizing. He's like, I'm yeah. sorry. I wish we had, could get the audit. We just can't do it. And so it is what it is. Um, but you know, moving forward, look, we're, we're looking to, to check out a couple other city on, on tap places. I think there's a lot of exciting ones that are out there. And uh, we'll definitely make sure to try and make our rounds and, and, uh, and sort of spread the wealth and see what bars actually have the, the audio going. Yeah, let us know all the places where you think the best place to watch an away game. Where's, where's the best atmosphere? Where we get the most people going? Because we want to be a part of it. Definitely. So now let's transition here quick to talk about what is coming up Tuesday night. So this podcast being recorded on Monday, as we mentioned, will drop it Tuesday morning. So for those listening tonight... There will be a, a cup match at City Park. It's not affiliated with the MLS. We're not even playing an MLS team. We're playing Union Omaha, which is part of uh, League One, UCL One, I believe it is. Uh, yeah, USL I think they're one. USL One, yeah. Yeah, so th- that's like two rungs below where the MLS is. Um, this is a, a cup that, that started over 100 years ago in 1913. Uh, Orlando City won it in 2022. And since the induction of the MLS, which happened in 1996, they've pretty much dominated uh, one non-MLS team 
Uh, the Rochester Rhinos won it in 1999. But other than that, it's been MLS, MLS, MLS. That's not to say, though, that um, smaller divisions or smaller teams and lesser divisions have not made significant runs. And Union, Union Omaha is is one of them that have done it recently as, as last year. I think that does it is something that kind of makes uh, this tournament exciting. Um, if you ever follow over in the English Premier League, they have like the FA Cup and similar style to where lower levels come up. And it's it's a great tournament um, as far as, you know, giving these lower levels that higher experience to these games. And they come in with a, you know, a fire. They want to try and, you know, prove to people that they they have the talent down there. And, you know, maybe it's just that that kid who hasn't been discovered yet, or maybe he's trying to get discovered. And then if you're on the flip-flop, it's a great chance for MLS teams to get a little bit of rotation, maybe where there are those players that you just think, man, I wish I could get him into the games. You know, here's a great opportunity. Um, MLS teams, they come in um, top four of each conference from the year before. They skip into the uh, the round of 32, but everybody else, we come, we're entering into the third round of this. So this has already had two, four rounds and, you know, there, I'm sure there's been upsets so far, but I mean, think about any other tournament that you've experienced, March Madness, whatever it is, you see these Cinderella stories all the time. And, you know, maybe there are teams that take these lower teams a little lighter when they're coming in with the fire. And so you still got to, and I think Carnell addressed it, that they're still going to take this as a, you know, a serious. Well, and they, sh- and they should, because look, we're not going to sit here and pretend to be union Omaha. Experts. That's, <laughs> that's not what this podcast about it. And that would be, ridiculous to even even pretend to be knowing anything about this squad but the reality is is that they did make it to the round of eight a year ago they're a pretty new team they started in 2020 there was no u.s open cup in 20 or 21 because of the pandemic so their first opportunity to play was last year and they actually beat the chicago fire in penalties and then after that playing uh this northern colorado team to get to the round of 16 they beat Minnesota United 2-1. to one. So two legit MLS franchises they beat a season ago, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, again, we talk about, you know, what do they have to lose? So why not come in with that fire too? I mean, how great would it be to be like, yeah, I, we beat an MLS team. So you know they're going to give you everything you get, they got on that night. Nothing to lose and a lot to gain because not only the recognition of it, but the team that gets furthest – uh, outside of MLS competition, uh, gets awarded twenty five thousand dollars, and for a, a, an organization that that probably isn't worth a whole lot, <laughs> yeah, to walk away with something like that is is really important as well. So we've seen, like I said, teams make runs before. Um, Sacramento Republic actually made it to the finals last year uh, and lost to Orlando City. So again, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily expect two MLS teams to be in it. There are upsets, sort of akin to what you would see in March Madness in college basketball, right? Especially yep. as you get into like round of 64, round of 32, 16, 8, so on and so forth, right. is that you do start to develop these Cinderella-type teams, uh, and this was one of them last year. Hopefully, it's not one of them this year. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the Cinderella runs are elsewhere throughout the tournament. But, yeah, I mean, you got to also think these teams, you know, maybe you make it through – you catch an MLS team off guard, and then the next round, you you're the team who gets a lesser opponent, and then you're thinking, man, our run could be good. So they look at this as, you know, like you said, the farthest one gets twenty five thousand dollars, but even you know the full prize is three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, so even if you're an MLS team, I that should give you the motivation to take it serious because think about what you can do for your club with. I mean, $300,000. I love that about soccer. It's, it's, it's so unique in a way that with all these cup matches and different prizes and different recognitions that can come up to benefit, you know, your club. Yeah. And as you mentioned, players that maybe don't get the recognition or, or aren't looked at in a certain light, um, you know, people can get discovered and what that can do to careers. It's, it's so unique. It, it's really not like that in, in, in almost any other sport. No, and I mean, also think about if you are Union Omaha. I mean, imagine getting to say I played at City Park. I mean, we know what that atmosphere is like, you know, being the home team, let alone, I mean, playing in front of, you know, 22,000 plus. It's, it's an amazing feat for anybody to play in. So We certainly do know what the atmosphere is like at City Park. Now... You, the listener, who hasn't had the opportunity to get to City Park, 
can also know what it's like to go to City Park because tickets are available and they are much less expensive. If you've been wanting to get down to a game, if you've been wanting to experience City Park, experience St. Louis City, just take it all in. This is the the best opportunity we've had so far. And we know how St. Louis shows up. We saw it, especially, you know, with Cincy. Uh, we show up no matter what. So I, this cup game, we're, you're going to still hear all the chants you're going to still hear you're going to see the fans the passion the standing you know it's it's all going to be there and like we talked about episode 1 go take in the food go see some of the food options there's so, so many amazing food options there also i want to touch on this that again just shows how amazing fans we were um in the broadcast of the colorado game uh once we did go home for the second half where we could hear the audio coming through we're here in St. Louis City chance. Oh, St. Louis City coming through the speakers. I mean, you want to talk about how amazing that is. Uh, we represent, I think, as one of the best in the league as far as away uh, trips go. Always seeing people messaging, say, who's going to Chicago? Who's going here? Where's the supporters section? So keep showing up, St. Louis, and you know, keep backing the boys. But especially at home, we got to let them know why we're known as one of the toughest places to come. Did did they announce the the uh, the road attendance for this one? No, I don't think they did. Yeah. Uh, I, but I mean, I saw somebody post about they knew there were two hundred plus going. Oh, um, wow. that okay. may have been, you know, hopeful or it may have been factual. But I mean, you think even in a I know we un, you know unfortunately in the south end just to our right is I think the designated area for the way section. And, you know, I can't imagine if there were it's annoying hearing 10 people. There, up there has not been close to no, 200. But people. let alone if we had to right. hear that the whole time, that would be annoying. So imagine, you know, if we had 200 people there and it didn't look like it was, you know, sold out even close. So you it, even more makes it uh, that much more annoying as a home fan. If you, there's 200 people there chanting over your chance, does it does it shock you that St. Louis travels as well as it does for this thing? Not at all. Not at all, right? Not at all. The fact that it's 2023 and we're just now getting a team is is almost baffling. I'm glad it it happened the way it did, but I mean, this is such a hotbed. Not not just for sports, but but truly for soccer. And and what's happened here with this team is has certainly helped carry the momentum. Uh, as look, still sitting on on top in the West after getting a point in Colorado. Um, but just really remarkable and, and again, not surprising at all, but just super cool to see fans develop and go meet up at local pubs, you know, in whatever town they're going to and, and, and really embracing the soccer culture that is so new to this city at this level. Definitely. Definitely. It's amazing to see. It really is. Well, we transition over to, um, to the MLS, uh, as we'll come back to city park to play the Portland Timbers, as I mentioned, a familiar foe. Uh, lost earlier in the season to St. Louis uh, by a score of, of two to one. Um, and they've had kind of some some ups and downs, but they find themselves a bit towards the bottom in 10th place currently. Uh, only a couple of wins, a couple of draws, and, and five losses for a minus four goal differential, uh, giving up a lot of goals. They're kind of a team that's played, uh, I think, still trying to find where their niche is they've played a couple of different goalkeepers that have given up a lot of goals combined um so again city does come into this thing favored which has only happened a couple of times this season i said before when it happened i didn't love that <laughs> yeah uh, I, I i wasn't either a fan right but you know it is cool also to get the respect um this is a game that you probably would have penciled at the beginning of the year thinking okay going to be really really tough mm -hmm. uh no one expected them to go to portland to win but now that you've done that and you come home even with three games in seven days even with the klaus injury you still feel pretty good about it you do but at the same time you you also realize who was favored two weeks ago was seattle and i know it was a derby game but portland took it to them four i think it was one. four to one yeah. so i mean you can't ever overlook a team and hopefully you know to t tomorrow during this open cup game we 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 get back on that foot and start building that confidence we maybe test out some players and see who's going to fill that klaus role and but the big thing i i you know always get a little nervous when you play that team the second time is if you did beat them the first time or you realize they're struggling or whatever it is is you you have to take each game as it comes and i think carnell's great about emphasizing that to his players that 
even when we were on that hot streak at the beginning, he just kept saying, we're just fo- focused about this week. You know, he didn't want to talk about um, anything else other than who we play this week and how we're going to approach the game and, you know, everything we got. So, yeah, definitely, definitely not going to take them lightly. And, you know, it's a West opponent. We got to we got to keep, you know, that that top of the table is, you know, starting to tighten up a little bit. So you you for sure now every game no matter who it is you you look to give your best performance yeah yeah for sure and and look again uh a team that we've already beat a team that you know we are favored against as you mentioned never going to take anything lightly but i, I love what you, you highlighted there is that the, the top of the table is is definitely starting to get tighter lafc still has a game at hand uh and they're just a point off and we're essentially tied with seattle uh, at, at this point as well with, with 19 points in the West. So, look, not supporter Shield leaders anymore as, as that sort of belongs on the east on the Eastern Conference at this point, but there's such a, a, a jumbled-up mess sort of at the top of both of these tables right now. It's just great to be in the thick of it. Oh, I mean, to be in the conversation is still mind-blowing to me. Um, and each week, you know, even the pundits, every time they start talking to talking about us as a team to take serious and no longer a team who's just having fun with the boys and playing. So yeah, it's great to, you know, see us get that respect and be up at the top of the table. But if you look at the, that table currently, yeah, we are tied on Seattle. So, you know, we're ahead, I believe on goal differential. So while you do get Portland, um, say you go up, you want to put as many past them. You don't want to let off and just try and get out of there with a win. You got to start thinking, Hey, we, we're, we're keeping that edge on our goal differential. So let's keep putting passes or putting in as many as we can. And I like that mentality anyway, because you never want to let it off in a game and think you have it. You know, um, we sort of did that kind of towards the end with Cincy and that's when they got their goal. And, you know, luckily that game was out of, out of reach at that point, but say it's a close game. We saw it with Colorado once they got their goal. I mean, the pressure just intensified. So yeah, we're going to take them fully serious and, look to put in a great performance and keep ourselves up towards that top of that Western conference. Yeah. And Seattle plays at Real Salt Lake uh, on Saturday as well. And since, since Real Salt Lake played St. Louis, they also got beat four, four Oh, not just to St. Louis, but to Columbus immediately following, but they've been okay in their last three. They're two and one, and they've actually been able to score a few goals. So being at Real Salt Lake for Seattle might not be a cakewalk for them either. Of course, not going to be taking that game lightly, uh, but we'll definitely have a set of eyes on that one as we're, we're sort of uh, scoreboard watching at this point in the season as we find ourselves atop this table. We want to make sure that, that things stay that way. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I almost take a screenshot of the scoreboard or the, the leaderboard every week just because I love seeing us up there. Um, I have a few buddies where – it used to be a bad sign whenever they would send the leaderboard in the group message because typically that meant one of your buddies' team was at the bottom of it. So now getting a screenshot from them, bragging, being like, hey, we're up there. I mean, it's amazing seeing us up there. And, you know, as far as Seattle goes, you know, you never know. I mean, we saw with Colorado, I mean, away games are never gimmies. So it's a tough place to play. So do you have a prediction then for Saturday against uh, against Portland? I'd like – man, I went with the 3-1 last time, and it, 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 it didn't pan out for me. But I'd like to see 3-1. The other reason I'd like to see almost us better our score last time is, you know, again, early in the season we were getting those – well, they were gifted that goal. That's the only reason they won. So I want to go out and, and prove that, no, we're, we're a team. We, 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 we deserve that win against these guys. And, you know, I want – I want us to really put on a, a another fantastic show for City Park. Yeah, so going back to Colorado, I'm going to talk a little bit about betting and some of the lines here uh, as we get into predictions here for this one coming up. I, I did take uh, City at plus 260 on a draw, no bet. And so basically what that means, right, is is when you talk about betting soccer, you have to bet the money line three different ways. So so you have the the, the home team winning, or the away team winning, or the inevitable draw, that's a possibility as well. Because you bet it that way, the odds are a little bit different because you have a third option, which is unlike most other sports when you're just betting a, a winner. Mm. Um, I typically, as a way to hedge the bets a little bit, will we'll do this on a, a draw no bet. So essentially, if a draw happens, I get my money back, which is uh, is 
probably not something the hardcore degenerates love to do, <laughs> but somebody that's a little bit more reserved with it, like myself, uh, I enjoy betting it that way. And so I got St. Louis a plus 260, uh, which means for a $100 bet, you would win $260. Um, but because the draw happened, I got my money back, so I pushed essentially. Um, this one coming up, though, the open the opening line is St. Louis is, is a minus 130, and Portland's a plus 300 if you bet it on the three-way money line with the draw being plus 265. However, if you were to take the draw no bet option, that, that odd moves down to minus 280 for St. Louis, and Portland's plus 205, and the over-under for this is 2.5. So... Going back to what you said with a 3-1 prediction, that's exactly my prediction as well. I like 3-1. You beat them 2-1 in Portland. Go ahead and tack on one more. We're going to have to find a way for that to come without Klaus. However, so many different people have contributed this year. I don't think it's going to be hard to find that extra goal or two. No, and that's been a great part of our team is we do have so many scorers. And maybe you know the way you just switch it up is rather than looking to – you know play that ball into Klaus and hold up play. You look more for link up play or counterattack play. You know, that's what we do on the press is we, we come hard on the counter. So, you know, say we get Ostrock in there, you know, you just look for more link up play. I think, um, you know, Giacchini up top, you know, maybe he, he does try and fill that role of holding the ball up while the supporting runners come. But, you know, I think where we're so strong and where it's been, you know, uh, a headache for Carnell is figuring out who he's going to play at the wingers. So I think we have a strong, um, wide presence and strong wingers coming in. So yeah, I think finding the goals hopefully won't be, uh, won't be an issue while, while Klaus is out for again, hopefully not long. Yeah. So, so going back to predictions, three to one, Eric says three to one, I say as well. And I'm going to go ahead and parlay that with the, with, with the draw, no bet option of minus 280 with St. Louis beating Portland. Uh, and that's, that's my bet for, for Saturday. I think that, uh, I think that city comes back and bounces back and has a really strong performance at home after what really was a, a bit of a letdown, I think, albeit again, once the game got going, we were happy to come out of Colorado with a point. However, all things considered, uh, a, still a, a bit of a disappointment considering that, when you just look at the two squads on paper, it seems like City is so much better than what Colorado is. And again, with Portland coming home, I think they're going to have a little bit something to prove. So I'll take I'll take three to one St. Louis, uh, and I'm going to take them on that draw no bet money line at, at minus two eighty. Um, anything else that uh, that you'd like to talk about here as we we wrap up episode two, Eric? Yeah, one more big thing coming up at City Park. Um, if you didn't know, the U.S. is hosting the Gold Cup. Uh, with Mexico and Canada, which is an international competition. So the U.S. men's national team will be playing this. Um, and City Park was chose as one of the host sites. Crazy. And not only chose as one of the host sites, but the game they're hosting is a U.S. men's national game. That's the crazy part. Not that the host site. I, when it first came out, I was like, maybe you get, we'll get a small island team or you know something like that as far as a – hey, this is just cool that we're hosting an international team or an international game that matters, not just a friendly, you know, we're going to see, you know, competition. But then to find out that we're getting the U.S. men's team for this tournament, I mean, I I, I read it like three times just to make sure I wasn't just being like, oh, yeah, we're, we're hosting this. And, yeah, it's, it's wild to think that, you know, we're going to get a game. Our – our uh, opponent is still to be determined, but I believe it, it's June 28th. Wednesday, June 28th is when the game will be, and it's going to be a double header actually. Yeah. So Jamaica and Nicaragua will play at 6:30, and then at 8:30, the U.S. will play the winner of the prelims nine game. So, I mean, again, it just goes to show the recognition that not only our team is getting, but us St. Louis as a, a a fan base is getting because they see something to where they're like, hey, this is going to be a great attended game and it's going to be popping. Yeah, and not just the fan base and not just the city, but City Park. I mean, City Park is such a beautiful venue. I can't imagine there's a lot 
of venues out there that are as nice. And we've talked about it last week. We'll continue to talk about it. We talk about it this week. I'm sure it'll come up on other podcasts as well. But they just don't make them a whole lot better than that. So it's going to be great for folks outside the St. Louis area that are coming here to watch the U.S. play, which inevitably is going to happen and bring more people and money to this area, which is in this revitalization mode, which is great to see for the whole community. Um, Just showing them how great city park is and so i'm super excited for that uh for the u.s to come here this maiden voyage of city park continues we had the u.s women's national team in mm-hmm. as well and now the men's team so look i'm excited for them to continue to use that venue for for all things entertainment be it concerts or shows or whatever may uh, be able to be used in that space um, because it is a great place to watch anything yeah beautiful well, that, that's going to do it, right? As far as the second episode of, of, uh, of South End supporters here, uh, we are excited for what's coming up this week. Again, the big U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday night and then returning to MLS action against Portland on Saturday. Eric, final thoughts? Yeah, just again, want to thank for all the support on the first episode. It truly was amazing. Um, and if you haven't checked out that episode, go check out the first episode anywhere you can get podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at South End Supporters. Uh, follow us on Twitter at SES Podcast, STL, and then follow us on Facebook. So that way you never miss when we come out with this fascinating material. Well, it has been fascinating, no doubt about that. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks to RPR Renovations. Thank you for listening. My name is David Heck. This has been South End Supporters. We'll see you next week. And until then, let's go city.